Welcome to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, brought to you by the Sportsman Channel. All hunting, all fishing, all the time. Contact your local network provider and ask about the Sportsman Channel today. Now here's your host of Peterson's Bowhunting Radio, Dan Beraldo. My name is Daniel Beraldo, associate editor at Peterson's Bowhunting Magazine, and you're back listening to Peterson's Bowhunting Radio. Today we have Ray Wiesner with uh, Wiesner Archery joining us. How you doing, Ray? Pretty good. How about you? I'm doing great. Uh, glad you could join us. And, um, you know, it was good seeing you at the ATA show in Columbus this year. Always look forward to uh, meeting up with you. How are, uh, how are things going for you? Actually, fantastic. Yeah? Uh, this year looks like it's going to be a boomer. Uh, I've uh, way better than what I expected considering the economy. Good, good. That's uh, one thing we'll, I'll, I'll let you guys know. Uh, Ray Wiesner, um, he owns Wiesner Archery, which is based in Ohio. Is it in Bloomville, Ohio? Bloomville, Ohio, middle of nowhere. And uh, for for it's a fairly small town. How how big is it? One thousand people. Wow. Ray has managed. Um, to basically, he has what you would call probably one of the top archery pro shops, um, not only in that area in the state, but probably in the country, you know, as far when it comes to inventory and uh, services provided, you know, one-on-one service with Ray. And uh, how long have you been operating your, your pro shop, Ray? 19 years. We started in... Uh, 91. Wow, wow. And and first, I guess I should ask, how long have you been bow hunting? Bow hunting, I, I can remember 1969 when I found out that you could actually hunt deer with a bow in Ohio and started, I had, I think it was an old Shakespeare fiberglass recurve we was hunting with. And back then, if you had just got to see a deer, you considered your hunt successful. Oh, yeah, there yeah. Wasn't very many around then. Now, uh, and did, were, did you grow up in the same area where you live now, near yep. Bloomville? lived here all my life, yeah. So that's where you're, you're cutting your teeth hunting as a kid as well. Yep. Also, uh, recently, um, you've, you've expanded your, your pro shop. You've actually built a, a building, is that correct? Right. Cool. Uh, and when did you uh, start that construction? Oh, let's see. Uh, probably in the fall of... 98, and we got into it in the spring of 99. Into your new building? Right. Of 99? Oh, man, I'm goofing up, too. 2009. (laughs) (laughs) Okay. I was like, man, I didn't know you had a building back then. Yeah, I'm... Hey, that's fine. Now, for those, uh, we should also mention, Ray, for the first, I guess, 18, 19 years of, of, of running your, your pro shop, it was actually in the basement of your house, correct? Right. And uh, doing so, he actually he managed to, to create quite a following, a loyal customer base. And I know from talking to you, one thing that you've... Um, you know, that's been a, a focus is, is really inventory, providing, you know, the equipment and, the, you know, and if you don't have it, you're going to get it, right? Right. Okay. We, we try to keep everything in there that they want. I mean, people, people if, they don't, if you don't have it, they're going to go someplace else and buy it or they're going to order it online or whatever. And if we have a little bit of everything, 
we've got what they want when they come here, and that's the reason they come. You know, they, they can find what they want. With uh, your experience, you know, in, in with the pro shop or, or working in a pro shop, owning a pro shop, you know, I, I'm sure you've heard horror stories uh, of about uh, about bow hunters going into certain shops and, and the type of, you know, service that they receive. You know, what is one thing that I, I guess is a big key, you know, and separates you, you know, from the rest of these pro shops? Well, for one thing, we, we really want our customers to come back. And customer satisfaction, we, we go the whole nine yards to make the bow fit them, make sure that, you know, that it works for them, make sure they can handle the poundage, make sure they get the right arrows, uh, the sights that work for them. And we set their bows up, and they are not charged for that. They're welcome to bring their bow back any time to have it checked for tune, you know, strings, stretch, and things like that. Um, every year they can bring that back. We don't charge for that. Anytime they need any kind of work done on their bow, if they buy their bow here, it's free. Cool. So, so that that really brings, you know, service and, and taking care of these people really brings them back, and it brings their friends back too. Oh, yeah. I mean, I know when I've been in a pinch and, you know, typically maybe I'm on a hunt. When I've been on a hunt in, let's just say, Oregon and something happened to my go-to bow next thing you know i'm setting up a second bow don't have a bow press i've gone into some shops before and you'd be amazed at at at, um you know it's just kind of turn and burn you know Mm -hmm. get it you know sell you a product get it fixed get it out the door onto the next customer i mean i've had peep sites put in backwards drop away cables tied to the upward moving cable you know things that you know when you're in a hurry you might not notice that at first and then you get all set up get it home and you're like what the heck happened here i just paid 15 dollars for someone to put in a peep site backwards i i really like to have a guy once i get their bow set up for them let them go out and shoot it and make sure everything feels good for them and actually try and help them get the 20 yard pin sighted in you know if i'm not swamped with customers i'll spend that time with them and if they want to come back we'll set up an earlier time when i'm not open, you know, we'll set up a, an hour or two before I open up and they can come in and, and I'll work with them and, and get everything, help them get the whole thing sighted in if they want. And I do have a lot of them come back and, and want that help. Yeah. And with today's equipment, which keeps getting better and better, more efficient, um, it, it, it's it's getting, you know, tuning a bow to 20 yards is, you know, some, if you don't have the experience, it, it can be kind of a fight. Right. But um, for those who do have the experience, who do work on bows, um, gosh, you got to admit, today's equipment is pretty nice yep. when, when it comes to easy tuning and whatnot. Yeah, it's a, yeah if, it, if, a guy's, if a guy knows what he's doing, it's, it's, yeah, it's a piece of cake on most stuff. And if a guy doesn't know what he's doing, that's what we're here for, to, to try and teach him. Now, prior to you owning your, your pro shop, did you have any other experience working in, um, you know, sporting goods department, a pro shop, a bow shop? Did you... Actually, my father-in-law had a sporting goods store where I worked there off and on for, oh boy, for, for probably 10 or 15 years before they finally closed it. And, uh, yeah, I, I really enjoyed working with people, you know, it was, um, they had, it was mostly, uh, guns and, and fishing tackle and, and 
like that, and they did have a little bit of archery. And um, but I, yeah, I got gained a lot of experience through that on working with people. And what what started? What gave you the idea to start a, a pro shop in your basement? I don't know. It just popped in my head one day. I guess I've, I've always I've always had some other kind of a business. On, on you know, we used to raise dogs, and I used to have a photography business, and and uh, I just I've always loved archery, and and I've always loved having some kind of a business, and um, I decided to to go the archery route, and I actually bought out a bunch of inventories from a from a department store, and and uh, started that way, and. And then um, my cousin's um, wife's uncle was the vice president of Oneida, and he set me up with that with that brand to start out with, and it just kind of exploded from there on. Oh wow, Oneida! Yeah, way back then. Yeah, those are smooth shooters. Yeah, they're. Uh, I don't know how how they're doing um, today. It seems like they kind of have a, a cult like following, which I'm sure right. you'll probably agree with. Yeah. Um, I know one of my buddies shoots one, and uh, it's a sweet bow. Yeah. Um, I, really, I really like it. Um, that was back 20 years ago. You start your your own pro shop, and did it take a few years um, to get the word out? Was it pretty immediate in your it, area? Actually, it was pretty quick. 3D archery starting to take a hold pretty good, and and um, I picked up, I picked up uh, Matthews when they first started out, and that was a that was a big blessing for me because it was new and and different. And uh, we put on shooters and started going to all the different 3D shoots, and the guys were winning. And next thing you know, you know everybody wore a shirt with my name on it, and then more people come, and then you know just constantly a new new following. And I put every penny I made back into it into inventory, and and it just just kind of grew and grew and grew. Cool, and and what what bow brands do you carry there? Well, we carry Matthews, Hoyt, and we just picked up PSE. They actually said they were shipping today. Uh, Parker, Bear, Elite, and Mission. Great, great. Yeah, we have probably every angle covered. Cool, cool. Recently, I guess uh, you know I wanted to touch base or just mention. I had noticed a couple months back, I don't know how many months it's been actually now, but I received my Arrow Trade magazine, and and lo and behold, on the cover, there was you tuning a bow. Yeah, that kind of surprised me, too. Oh. <laughs> now, now uh, Tim Dean, who uh, who's, I believe, editor, publisher, um, kind of main guy over at, at Arrow Trade, he, he does a, a great job at... At traveling the country, uh, interviewing some of the top pro shops, top pro shop techs, and really gets into kind of the the you know the fine nitty gritty you know behind the scenes stuff of pro shops. How did you become acquainted with Tim? Um, well, actually, um, I believe it. It was one of the outdoor writers camps where I helped out as a boat technician. I think I run into Tim and. And uh, we became friends at one of the trade shows, and, and uh, uh, I, then I then I hunted turkeys with John Kaysen, which is one of the writers. And, and uh, John says, "Well, we want to do a profile on your shop." I said, "Well, come on up." So when we had our when we had our grand opening, John came up and spent a couple of days with us, and and uh, interviewed me and, and my wife, and and 
talk to a lot of our customers and stuff. And boy, lo and behold, we got to be the cover story. <laughs> yeah, that's awesome. I when I know when I got my magazine, I was like, whoa, I know that guy. Now, when you met Tim, and I, I guess I'll just let our listeners know, I met you also on on one of those writer hunts in right. West Virginia. Was that in maybe 2006, 2005? Probably, I'm guessing around 2005. And, and I wonder if that was, a, Tim was also on that hunt as yep. well, I know. Yeah, um, that may be when I met Tim. Too, yeah, you know. yeah. Um, yeah, and that's that was great. I mean, looking through the the article, and uh, you know, I, I, I'll be honest, I haven't read the whole thing, um, but I've definitely gone through quite a bit of it, and it, it seems like you know, you got a lot of good stuff going on the the uh, the new pro shop, the the uh, or I mean the new building. Your uh, your inventory is 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 probably increasing more. I would imagine with that new space. Yeah. We've got a lot of inventory. You have an outside shooting range, correct? Yeah, right. And also, uh, uh, if it is raining, um, or maybe right now in the winter, you also have kind of an area to shoot in the front area. Right. In a covered right. section. Get, yep. We um, we talked about doing an indoor thing, but, but I'm really more, more into providing uh, product and service for people, and I thought if I if I put a couple of lanes in there, that's really going to take away or jam me up in space for inventory. So I know where there's a few indoor ranges, and I and I tell my guys where they are, and, and they're actually competitors. But I said, you know, go over there and, and shoot their ranges and support them. But uh, if you want if you want your accessories, we we probably have more than anybody around and more variety. One thing that I want to do is provide some information for our listeners that that are looking for advice on you know if you're that new bow hunter just starting in, into it even just considering you know possibly shooting a bow it, it can be slightly overwhelming i mean when you start considering brace heights and draw lengths and axle to axle you know all these different um, specifications that 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 really make a difference on on how you or how, you know what bow model you purchase. So let's get into a little bit. Um, you know, if if you're a beginning archer and and you're looking you know to get set up, what are the first steps that you would take a, a beginner through? Well, probably the very first thing you want to do measure them for their draw length and I have a draw length bow that's pretty close but we usually measure from fingertip to fingertip across the back and divide that by 2.5 and that gives us just about right on what their draw length is going to be and um, so we once we find that out then we got to figure out how much they can handle you know some guys will try to try to buy a bow you know they think they got to have a 70 pound bow or an 80 pound bow and, and if you can't pull it back or if you have to struggle to pull it back it's, there's no point so we see what what they can handle and especially with with uh, the younger people and, and youth um they, they, if they got to hold their bow straight up in the air and turn their head behind them and pull for all their might to get it back it's not the right bow for them so well you know we'll go through different bows that i have in stock and and find something that's comfortable for them, and uh, then just 
try and figure out the, the rest in the site. And most of that depends on people's budget, too. You know, if a person says, hey, I've only got $400 that I can spend and I'd like to get into archery, then, then I'll work with that and we'll try and find something to fit it within their budget. Now, also, uh, we, we have to consider other things. There, there's also brace height, um, possibly axle-to-axle axle length. For beginning archers, how crucial are the brace height measurements, um, the axle-to-axle axle lengths? Well, axle-to-axle, axle, I don't, don't think that's extremely critical as if they're, if they're going to do it for a hunting bow. Um, and, and, you know, if they, if they shoot a bow that's in... 32, 34-inch range, you know, that's, that's going to be pretty good for most people. Brace height is important because the, the longer the brace height is, the more forgiving the bow is going to be. If a person isn't an accomplished archer and doesn't have really good form and he buys a bow with a 5 or 5.5 or 6-inch brace height, he may have some problems and not even realize what it is. So, yeah. so I try to keep him with a, with a little bit longer brace height Unless they're, you know, unless they're experienced and got really great form, they can they can handle it. But most people really don't need to shoot the super fast speed bows. And let's uh, also just for listeners who who are unaware or know exactly what brace height is, could you explain to them what bra- what the brace height measurement is? Well, the brace height's from like your burger button hole to your string. And if your brace height is seven and a half inches or seven inches. That means that the arrow is going to leave the string a little bit sooner than it would on a six or a five and a half inch brace height. So if that arrow leaves that string sooner, there's less chance for you to make movements gripping your bow or flinching or whatever, and that's and it's not going to show up in the shot so much. So you're going to have a little bit more forgiveness and more accuracy. Whereas if it's a shorter brace height, the power stroke's longer, the arrow stays on the string longer. Guy has any kind of any kind of quirk or tick or grabs that bow or whatever makes any movement during the shot process, it's going to show up on there. And uh, perfect. Yeah. Some people yep. don't understand that, and, and I try to point that out to them. Yeah, yeah. That also, I know for me, one one selling factor, one of the the first things that I look at is the grip. Um, is, is that one area that you also stress to, to a new archer is to really get the, you know, get a feel of it? Or, I mean, is it also the, I mean, would a beginning archer really not know the difference of, a, of, of what's comfortable versus what's not, you know? I, I think it's all up to the individual. Some guys that got great big hands like a bigger grip. Um, most people nowadays like a smaller grip um, so that they don't, they aren't wrapping their round hand around it and torquing it. Uh, so the smaller the grip, the better, really. And, and almost all the bow manufacturers are coming out with with uh, a lot smaller grips for them. But most people wouldn't understand that until they started shooting a bunch and yeah. started catching themselves doing rights and lefts. I guess also one of the first things too that that a new beginning archer bow hunter should should really find out is, is what their dominant eye is is that absolutely an, is that one was that also one of the first steps to, to yep, make sure that, if they're that, right or left-handed you're right um and i try to find that out too and some people really fight that because there's a lot of people that are left-handed and right eye dominant and right-handed and left eye dominant and um if they have 
if they have good eyesight in both eyes, they can close one eye and still shoot all right. But but if they're if they're dominant eye, you know, like I'm I'm right handed and left eye dominant. I shot a bow for probably fifteen or twenty years right handed, but I could never use sights because my eye didn't work with a peep sight and sights. I couldn't see it. So I did okay that way. But boy, when I went to left handed with a release and sights and a peep sight, man, it, it just made all the difference in the world. And, and I'm one that has experienced that, and I can, I can relate to it when I run into somebody. And I have switched a lot of people. And they're, they're a real, little reluctant to do it at first, but once they do it and see how much better they shoot, uh, they get used to that awkwardness after a while, and, and they do real well. In the beginning, was it kind of like throwing a football left-handed, though? It, it wasn't for me because... Um, I did it, you know, 20 years ago, and or 15 years ago, and I I realized um, I could actually see the sights then, and I could actually put a pin on in it, and I shot so much better, it didn't matter, and it, it didn't take me but about a week to get used to it, and, and, and I did fantastic. I started doing really well at the 3D shoots and stuff, and, and uh, I never looked back. What's a, a what's a quick way for our listeners to figure out their dominant eye? I guess one real you know sometimes uh, take a just take and point your finger an object on the wall and look at it with both eyes open and then cover one eye with your hand and you're either going to be looking down that finger at the object or you're going to be looking off to the side of it and you're gonna you're gonna see it right away. Some people hold their hand up and make a circle and put it on something and then pull that pull their hand back to their eye, and it'll go to their dominant eye. Okay. There's several different ways to do it. So basically, if if that item that you're pointing at moves, that's not your dominant eye. Right. If it stays on right. your finger point, that's, that's your, your dominant, dominant eye. eye. Yeah. Great. Now let's get into equipment a little bit. For rest these days, you know, there's dropaways are extremely popular, full containment rests as well, and there's also full containment dropaways, kind of a hybrid. How do you, I'm sure, like you mentioned, you know, you're going to look at a budget and see exactly, you know, what's going to work for them the best, what's in their range. Right. But is there a style of rest that you do recommend, let's say, for beginning archers? Well, yeah, the, the, the biscuit-type rests, by far are the most popular there is, even with some of the older experienced hunters. And for a hunting rest, it's just hard to beat. They, uh, youngsters can put it on, don't need to worry about their arrow falling off when they're trying to shoot. And hunters don't need to worry about their arrow popping off when they're drawing back on a deer. Um, it's just, it just plain makes sense. It works well, they shoot well, and, and uh, they're easy to set up and easy to tune. So I, I can't say enough things about them. Uh, the drop-away rests are great. Uh, they are There are several containment-tile drop-away rests that work real well. Um, and, you know, I think it's mostly customer preference there again because I think all of these rests are good quality and perform well as long as they're set up right. Some of the drop-aways are a little bit touchier to set up to get them so that they're dropping at the right time so that you're getting the, the good arrow flight from them. But um, that's, I guess, what I'm here for is to get that right for them. 
And as far as a, um, I guess I should say, you know, one thing too with with a full containment rest is, or versus a drop away form could also kind of be a factor on on accuracy. You know, with uh, someone shooting a whisker biscuit um, with horrible form, they could possibly have have issues in the long run. Whereas a drop away could actually provide a little more accuracy with horrible form. Is that correct? Uh, I don't know. If I, I don't know. I, I, I think that if you got horrible form, you're just not going to shoot very well. Yeah. Okay. Uh, and okay. I and I'll go out with and I've had new shooters who go out and and watch them shoot and they're hitting all over the place and and just about ready to pull my hair out trying to figure out what they're doing wrong and. Quick cure for a new shooter is put a kisser button on. Okay. You put that kisser button on, they have to come back to the same spot every time. That's They have a hard problem figuring out what their anchor point is. And then with that kisser button, that makes them do it exactly the same each time. And that really makes a, makes a big difference in their form. Now, um, do you notice any difference in, in more long-range accuracy, a, a difference between a drop-away and a full containment? I, I would say probably if you're a 3D shooter and you wanted, you wanted that 40 and 50-yard tight groups, that you're probably going to see a little better with the, with the drop-away. Okay. I can't say that's absolutely true because yeah. I've, I've got one on one of my hunting bows, and it shoots, it shoots really good at 40 yards. But um, you know, maybe when you get out further, you're going to notice notice a little bit of difference. But yeah, well, I haven't and really. And it's kind of it's again about you know skill. Not everyone right. shoots equal. Reality is, some are better shots. Right. Some shoot better. Some follow through. Some you know follow through better. Some have you know more consistent anchor point. Um, maybe uh even their their stance the way, way they're holding their shoulders and that's that's see that's another thing that we do here if if uh i take that guy out and he's new and i'll watch him shoot and and i'll i'll show him what they're what they're doing wrong you know and it's not that i'm the best shooter in the world but uh i know i know about form and uh, i can watch them and, and tell them what they're doing a lot of people have a tendency to drop their bow to try and see where their arrow is and Next thing you know, they're dropping it before the arrow's off the rest. And um, little things like that, or, or having your draw length right so you got a little bit of a bend in your arm instead of a straight arm, and, and uh, having good back tension and having their peep sight set right so that their head is straight. All those little things come into play, and, and that's where when they buy a bow here and I go out and, and make sure that everything's right for them, they can learn that. Another thing, too, is with, with kids, when they come up here, you know they'll have they'll have more of a tendency to listen to me than they will their parents. Mm-hmm. You know, so that makes a difference too. Yeah, yeah. As far as uh, a, a sighting system, you know, peep sights are, are huge um, these days, and 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 sights with round pin guards. Now, when it comes to a, a new archer. As far as a peep sight, do you see? Do you tend to set up those beginners more with uh, a tube attached peep, or more with just the, the single string peep? It's you know I'll ask them what they want, and and 
if a, if a person really has a hard time training their peep on a new bow so that it comes back straight for them, we're going to put the tube on. Yeah. And and uh, but I try to I try to stay away from the tubes most of the time and, and teach them how to get it to get it trained so that that, that peep works for them. But um, um, there's a lot of them that they've they've used that for years and that's what they're going to do. And usually most youth, I'm going to go with the tube. Now, when it comes to the number of pins that that sites hold, what, what's a good starting point? Well, I try to I try to set them up with a um, three or a four pin setup. I, I really don't think anybody needs any more than that. Now, out west, you know, I've I've got a few guys that hunt out west a lot of times, and they'll go to a seven pin setup, but that gets pretty confusing for a beginner. Yeah. So uh, a three pin works really well. They shoot a little three D, maybe a four pin. And even even if we go with a four pin and we don't use that fourth one, we can always move it down out of the way. And they've got it if they want to use it later on. Cool. But most most bows they're they're set up fast enough. If you sight in at twenty yards, you don't need a ten yard pin. Yeah. Know? No. You so set typically, it at 20 and you're good to about twenty five and and uh, right on up right on up the ladder. Would you recommend a, a twenty, thirty, forty yard pin setup for that three pin? Right. Yep. Yep. As far as a, a let's say, the, the string loop, the knock height setup, you know, let, let's get into, we've talked about a rest site, and, and as far as this first initial tuning of a bow, you know, basically, probably the first setup is knock height, correct? Right. I, well, when we put a rest on, I try to, I try to center shoot it. And I get that get that rest. Now, most of these bows, I've worked with them enough. I know where I should set them at. A lot of the, lot of the newer bows, the newer single cam bows, you set them at eleven sixteenth, three quarter. Some of the older ones, you go thirteen sixteenth, which is a good starting point. And then knock heights, I usually set them about a sixteenth of an inch high, maybe an eighth. Um, and and uh, take it from there. Uh, almost everybody uses a loop anymore. There's a few few that still use a knock, and we put a cushion button on underneath that so you don't push into the knock with your release. But uh, uh, you have to take in that loop in consideration in their draw length, too, when you set them up. Okay. And what exactly does the string loop do for for archers and consistency? Well, it's it's going to... It's going to eliminate any kind of a torque that you're going to have because, you know, the loop's going to give some forgiveness to that. Um, now you got me there. <laughs> <laughs> I think you nailed it. Um, as far as, I mean, torque is... Well, right, that's probably the key to it all is the torque. Uh, you aren't going to twist and, and pull on your string or pull it off to the side. You know, you can... You can use different types of release, and you can have your release up against the side of your face. Yeah, your string's still straight on, and and uh, uh, it just it just eliminates a lot of problems. Plus, it, it'll eliminate uh, wear on your serving too from the release grabbing the serving all the time. Now, also when you're setting uh, the center shot, you mentioned you know adjusting left, right, basically, and obviously up and down. Now you. you for the up and down portion, basically, you want the bottom of the arrow 
coming across the bottom of, of the Berger hole, right? Correct. And then as far as left and right, a, a good way, you know, a, a good, you know, I guess starting point would be to knock an arrow, you know, hold out a bow in front of you, eye your knocked arrow along with your bowstring and your top and bottom um, cable and string grooves, correct? Right. Now, this is just a starting point, though, correct? Right. A lot of people, once they get that, that, that initial center shot set up, they think they're golden. But it, it could mean just a matter of the smallest left or right or even up and down adjustment to get back on, you know, to get level knock travel, basically. Right. Well, when we go, we, you know, when I go outside and watch them shoot, I'll stand behind them and watch their arrow flight. And if I notice anything, you know, um, that's, that's if, if they're getting porpoising or fishtailing, you know, I'll start making adjustments until that goes away. And then if they want to, if they want to paper tune it, shoot it through paper and get it so that it's perfect, you know, that's pretty, pretty much something that they have to do because they're going to be the one shooting the bow, not a machine and not me. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um, most of the time when we set these up, we know from experience and, and a lot of different setups in the past, pretty much how it's going to, where it needs to be set. And boy, there's a lot of them. They just shoot perfect right out of the, right out of the, take it out of the vice and they go out and shoot and it shoots great. Yeah, I, I know. I mean, with my setups too, it it doesn't really take too many adjustments to, to get that arrow flying straight, which is awesome. I mean, I remember as a kid chasing my groups left and right. Oh, yeah. Um, mostly it was operator air, but um, I know today's equipment has saved me hours of tuning. And it has allowed me to probably, you know, get a few more critters um, down on the ground. As far as a release, what what styles of of releases are, are, are you seeing beginning archers go with? Well, most most people are using the, the wrist strap caliper type release, uh, whether it be a single jaw or a double jaw. Uh, some of them are using the one with the hook that you would, would use with a loop. But most of them are going with the jaw type releases. There's a few using handheld, and you're, uh, for the beginner, I would say go with a go with a double jaw uh, wrist type release. Okay, okay. Um, and I'm just curious, what style of release do you shoot? I shoot a I shoot a wrist type uh, okay. Scott with the um, with the single jaw that opens, and had really good luck with that. The the single uh, the, the single the more of a loop hook design, I guess you should say. Would you say those are a little more compatible with a string loop? Why? Why? Why is the? I know loop hook designs are becoming extremely popular and marketed more for string loops, um, but dual caliper releases also are extremely popular. You're right. They they are, and they and they work just fine. I I really think it's it's uh, personally. I think it's just a matter of personal preference. Yeah. I really do, and, and some releases work like a gun trigger. I mean, they when you go so far, they go off, and other ones gradually open until they go off, and just a matter of what you want. Cool. And we have, you know, we have uh, a bow here with a, uh, you can draw back and dry fire it, and uh, you can try any release in here to see which one, you know, is wh- whatever you like. Yeah. 
what are what are some do you have any tips for for beginning hunters or beginning bow hunters that that basically um you know that are starting out you know that are shooting that are you know what would you tell them uh, when once they get going you know know your equipment yeah um practice with and get you try and get your broadheads to shoot the same place as your field points which can be a challenge sometimes um, and then uh, know exactly how to judge distance. And one of the best, you know, that's probably one of the most important things is, is knowing distance. And either take a range finder with you and shoot that from the from the tree stand to the spot where the game trails are, where you think they're going to be, and, and then shoot a lot of 3D. Go out in the woods and shoot 3D competition where they shoot at different unknown distances and learn how to judge distance out in the woods. That's probably one of the most important things is, is uh, you know, once you have your form down pat and you can shoot well, know, know exactly how to judge that distance so you know which pin to put on the animal. And practice, 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 practice just practice, like practice. you said. You know, if, if you can even just shoot a, a couple arrows every day, you know, those, are, those, are, those type of, um, you know, practice sessions are are a little more valuable than just shooting a hundred arrows at once. And a, a lot of new hunters, a lot of new shooters don't use the muscles to draw a bow that you do for anything else. So when they start out, it's pretty tough just to pull back 50 or 55 pounds. Yep. And if they go out and shoot 10 arrows a night or 15 arrows a night, it won't be long and they'll be turning that bow up. And heck, my son, when he was 12 years old, he could pull 70 pounds back. He shot every day, you know. And um, and that's what they that's what you know you build them up just like lifting weights or anything else. Yeah, you know, there's a there's a lot of bows out there now that that'll cover a wide variety. We've we've got one here that'll go from like 17 to 52 pounds and from 17 to 30 inches in draw length. So the shorter you make the draw, the lower the poundage will go on the bow. And and if Dad wants to spend, you know. A little bit of money and get a get a bow like this. He's not going to have to be spending it next year and the year after that because he's not going to grow out of it. And, and what bow is that? That is would it? be the the uh, mission menace. Right. The mission menace. Yeah, yeah we, we uh, I read about that a little bit last it's, year. I it's believe quite a it's quite a bow. Great. It, it covers a wide wide variety of uh, of people. I mean, from from kids all the way up to. Uh, I shouldn't say older adults, but maybe adults that, that can't handle a lot of weight. Um, I've had guys come in and say, oh, I can't shoot a compound bow anymore. They've got to shoot a crossbow. And she says, I'd love to. And I get that thing out, and they can shoot it, you know. And wow. it's great for them. That's awesome. That's awesome. So that, that, that really covers a wide area. Plus, Dad doesn't have to buy a new bow every year. Oh, yeah. That's what yeah. we run into with a lot of bows. Kids start growing, and, man, they just they grow out of them things so fast. And, and there's there's several companies that make make uh, bows that, that work that way. You know, there's Parker and Bear. Yeah. Um, they 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 both have excellent bows in that category. Yeah, the bows grow with them. That's, right. That's awesome. Well, Ray, that, that's all we have time for today. Um, I want to thank you though for for taking the time and talking bow hunting and archery. And uh, you definitely, uh, there's some great tips, I think, that you provided for, for new beginning archers, you know, from setup to tuning to uh, really kind of to the things needed to get started in, in archery and bow hunting. 
So thank you, Ray. Much appreciated. It's been my pleasure. Really good talking with you. Yeah, uh, good luck to you this year with your sales and, and to bow hunting. I know turkey season's coming up and on our minds. And uh, We're heading if, to Texas in three weeks for a little hog hunting. Awesome, awesome. Well, when you get back, be sure to send some pics. I'd be interested in seeing those. All right, have a great afternoon. Right, same to you. Thanks a lot. Thank you. Hey, be sure to check out Ray's Archery Shop, WiesnerArchery.com. That's W E A S. N E R archery.com or by phone at 419-983-5743. Thanks for listening to Peterson's Bow Hunting Radio with associate editor Dan Beraldo. Be sure to pick up a copy of Peterson's Bow Hunting Magazine on newsstands now. 